0: Welcome to the Head to Heal podcast, where you'll go head over heels learning about how the body and the brain work together to either feed disease or fight it. I'm your host Jordana Sade, certified holistic nutritionist and founder of the Mindful Clinic, with a background in nutrition, behavioral neuropsychology, and hypnosis. I'm going to walk you through the root cause of your symptoms and disordered behaviors. The body has an innate ability to heal. No one is destined for illness, and most, if not all, disorders can be reversed. Come with me as we develop a new understanding of how you can use your head to heal and truly thrive. Like I promised, I am going to go over today my proprietary process. This is my three-step system. I've been doing this for almost a decade now. And this system is going to help you heal your relationship to food, increase confidence, and lose weight without dieting, because I promise you it is not necessary. My promise to you is in the next 45 minutes, excluding hot seat coaching, I'm going to teach you everything that I know as well as I can to heal your relationship to food, to normalize your eating and your behaviors, and to balance your body so weight loss can be easy. And at the end, if you desire more healing, I'm going to show you how to work with me and how we can achieve your goals specifically. All right let's jump in so (laughs) this is my story a lot of you guys on here i know and love dearly i have some past clients who have had huge success stories it's so nice to see you i have some current clients who are currently working through their trauma and i have a lot of new people on here so i really just want to start with my own story so you know who i am and what i do and why i do it and basically what even qualifies me to be able to do this so My story started when I was very young. I was the only obese kid in school. This was a long time ago when obesity rates were not as prevalent as they are now. And I was bullied a lot and I was made fun of for my size. And obviously, this played a huge toll on my mental health. So when I was eight years old, I was playing tag and I tagged this boy that I had a crush on and he goes, fatty caught me in front of the whole school. And I swear to God, I remember that day like it was yesterday. I remember everything about that moment. And it was that day that I really decided enough's enough. And so I went on my first diet. And so what that looked like was I really just starved myself. And I did lose quite a lot of weight when I was eight. And. I received a lot of praise from it. Like people at school all of a sudden wanted to be my friend. And now the cutest boy who called me fat wanted to talk to me. My parents even were like, oh, now we can see your beautiful face. And so I was really praised for this weight loss. And what it really taught me was at a young age that being thin meant I was lovable and being overweight meant I wasn't. And this spiraled into decades of what I can only describe as pure torture, eating disorders, and then eventually substance abuse. So we ended up with substance abuse. And because I learned actually quite early on in high school that if I was using substances, I was actually not using food as frequently. And substances gave me this kind of release and relaxation that I didn't really receive growing up since I was so traumatized by feeling like I wasn't accepted, feeling like I didn't fit in eventually I developed a pretty serious cocaine addiction and I was in and out of rehab. I was very, very thin. And I honestly was quite happy at this size. I was, I didn't even realize I had an eating disorder at this time because most of the substance abuse was just to keep my weight down. I was kicked out of university. My parents were like, you have to come home. Like you need help. And so I came home. And at that point I actually met my now husband and I got pregnant. (laughs) And so When I was 22, I got pregnant. I had no education and I had to stop using all of my substances. So that baby just like really saved my life. And in that pregnancy, I realized that I was starting to use food in a very similar way that I had used substances in the past where I never really felt full. I continued to eat and eat and eat. And it wasn't because I was pregnant. It was because there was this addictive like tendency that I had towards food. And so I gained 80 pounds in the pregnancy. My doctor was like, this is really dangerous. Eventually I said, you know, I have to get down to the bottom of my eating disorder. Like something isn't right here. I used to have friends that would just eat when they're hungry and stop when they're full. And I just never understood that. And so I actually went back to school to become a nutritionist. And I graduated as valedictorian with first-class honors. And I was hired right out of the school to work with a medical doctor. And so him and I built this beautiful obesity clinic. But at the end of the day, like nobody wakes up and says, I want to be fat. It's just not a choice. And the reality is we know an apple is healthier than a chocolate bar, but some people choose the chocolate bar anyways. And so I started to really see myself in these patients. And I was like, something isn't adding up here. Like I'm handing out meal plan after meal plan and nobody's losing weight and everybody's still unhappy. And so I became obsessed with understanding the motivation behind human behavior. At this point, actually, I was still really struggling with my eating disorder and I ended up back here ended up regaining all of the weight that I had lost. And that was kind of my cue to really get down to the bottom of this. This was no longer an issue that like being a nutritionist can solve. Like studying nutrition taught me everything about food, taught me which foods to eat, which foods not to eat. But that only lasted so long before the eating disorder came back. And so then I went back to school to do a masters and phd in behavioral neuropsychology and that's where i'm at now. and so my entire practice is really rooted in brain behavior activity and i can tell you personally it saved my life. i no longer have any addiction or food issues at all and also like i'm the fittest i've ever been and this is through not through dieting at all. this is through literally changing my brain and changing the way that i view food and changing my relationship to food so that it really just is like eating when i'm hungry and stopping when i'm full. And now I want to help you. So once I understood how to normalize my eating behavior and stop dieting, my body normalized and weight loss is sustainable, which is really what we want to do. Like nobody wants to live in a world without cake. Like that's just not a life I want to live, you know? And so this isn't going to come through like punishing yourself or restriction. Like that only will last for so long. And I'm going to show you exactly why, but before we even go any further, I really want to emphasize that this is not for everybody. Like there was a time in my life when I was struggling that I could not hear this message, you know? And so I don't want you to waste any more time. This is for you. If you are going to be open-minded, if you are ready to stop dieting, you're ready to let that go. This is for you. If you're sick of your own shit, like you're just done. This is for you. If you are ready to learn something new and ready to get to the root cause of your relationship to food. And if you are ready to actually rewire the limiting beliefs and the way that you think, because the way that you've thought has brought you to where you've got. And so if we want to change, we have to be able to change our minds, you know? Okay. So how to heal your relationship to food, boost confidence and lose weight without dieting. Basically this is my proprietary process. So it's called reset, rewire, and rebalance. And when we can reset the hunger keys, when we can rewire the brain so we stop self-sabotage, and we, when we can rebalance the body, we find food freedom, we find confidence, and we find weight loss effortlessly. I'm going to show you how. So your options are like diets, right? Ozempic, which like, that's a topic for another day. I've done a podcast on that. You can cry. like You can just like sit in your shit and be like, this is it. Like I don't know how to fix it. Or, and like you could hide, right? Changing the way you eat actually begins with psychology. And it's just crazy to me that like nobody talks about this, you know, because if we want to do anything, we have to change the brain, right? And so when we think about diets, which is like, I mean, you guys named a number of diets, intermittent fasting, eat a whole lot less, even like restrictive exercise is a type of like dieting. It's like calories in, calories out, energy, yuck. But diets actually have statistically, and I'm like a research nut, a 98% fail rate. Yikes. I am not taking those chances. Like, you go to a surgeon and you're like, the surgeon's like, yes, there's a 98% chance you're not going to survive the surgery. You're like, hell no. Right. But when we enter the dieting industry, we don't realize that the dieting industry is a multi billion dollar industry. Yet, obesity rates keep rising. If diets worked, we would no longer have obesity, you know? And in the States now, obesity rates are over 40%. That's like half the fucking population. Like, ah something's not right here, you know, because like I said in the beginning, most people know what is healthy and what's not, but it's actually making the healthy choice that proves to be difficult for some people. And like, if that's you, that's who I'm talking to. It's normal to be skeptical. I know you're like, this girl's crazy. <laughs> what is she talking about? But it really is, it is normal to be skeptical. So when clients meet me, a lot of the times I hear, I don't trust myself, nothing ever works for me. It seems too easy, right? Like I just think my way thin, okay, Jordana. Or I have to punish myself to be thin, right? Like those are the things that we have learned. So I understand if that's kind of where you're at. Yeah, especially when you have to feed your family. I hear you, I have two kids and it's a challenge. I get it. This is coming from the fact that you have tried and failed a million times and now you don't trust yourself, right? And that's okay. And if we want it to work and we want a life of freedom and we want a life where we can have cake and not like cry about it for the next day or restrict or over exercise, we have to be willing to think differently. If you think you can or think you can't, either way, you're right. That's Henry Ford. It's like one of my favorite quotes. And victim mentality just like straight up will not work here. Like if you want to change your life, you need to change the way you think. And Like, this is like no hard feelings. I don't even know who's on and off anymore. But like, if you want to continue to be a victim of your circumstances, if it's easier for you to be like, no, it's so hard and I don't know any other way, like you can just hop off now and we can chat another time. Okay. So here is what you might be experiencing. What does self-sabotage even really look like, right? Okay. Well, what it looks like is, do you have a goal, but you can't get your behaviors to follow that goal? So you have a goal of like I want to lose weight, I want to be rich, I want to start exercising, I want to wake up early before the kids, but you keep pressing this snooze button. But you keep overeating. Right? Like that's what self-sabotage is, right? You have a goal, but your behaviors are inconsistent with that goal. So, does this sound familiar? Let me know. You're full, but you keep eating anyways. You're skipping the gym. You're giving into every craving. You start the day off right and end up sabotaging it. Okay. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is your brain is not wired for success. It's wired for sabotage. And like studying neuroscience has taught me so much about the brain. And in reality, your brain's actually not wired for success. It's wired for safety. And so if the brain believes that pressing this news button or like overeating is related to a safety mechanism, then it is going to bypass your conscious control. And you're just going to end up self-sabotaging. And then you're like, how did I end up eating this whole bag of chips? You know, it's not like a conscious decision. Nobody wants it. It just happens. And this is because there is a big difference between the conscious and the subconscious mind. So like in the subconscious mind, we live 98% of our day in that subconscious mind, 98%. That's where all of our habits are. That's where all of our autopilot behavior is. 2% is our consciousness. That's what makes us human. That's where all of our goals and dreams are. So you could say all you want. I want to be rich. I want to lose weight. I want to like be fit, but your body's on a completely different program. And then you get mad at yourself, right? Right then you keep feeling like a failure. You keep struggling to reach your goals. And this leads to low confidence and low trust in yourself. Okay. So what's the solution? So in my programs, we actually have to rewire the subconscious, which is something that took me so long to understand and to learn. And there's so many ways that we can do this, right? So one of, the reasons why meal plans doesn't work is because you know what's healthy and what's not. You just keep doing the unhealthy thing anyways. Why is that? You're in the subconscious. You're in that autopilot behavior. So reducing your calories is not going to change this self-sabotage program. You know, this is a mechanism in human behavior driven by brain patterns. So there's many tools we use for this, but things like hypnosis, that's why I'm a hypnotherapist. That's a really good tool. Things like NLP or increasing your self-worth. Okay, so if you have an animal, How much do you love the animal? Like so much, right? So unconditionally, I see Nikki's pup in the back too. Like you love that animal so much. It's like unconditional love, more than life. yeah. Would you ever intentionally sabotage the dog? Never, right? And so imagine if we loved ourselves like that. We would never, self-sabotage does not exist when there is unconditional love. The problem is it's hard to love yourself, right? When you keep making promises to yourself that you can't keep over and over again, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop eating sugar. I'm going to do this. And then you do it anyways. Like you've lost trust in yourself. I call this a conflict contract. You know, your daily behaviors match your deepest beliefs about yourself, not your goals and your dreams. So if you believe something about yourself, I'm a failure. I can't stick to anything. It's too hard. That's where your behaviors are going to be. That's what we have to work on. Not me telling you, eat 800 grams of protein or whatever a day. Like that's not going to help you. And this is because our thoughts create feelings, which lead to our behavior. So if the thought is I'm a failure, you're going to feel like a failure, which is going to drive failure mentality behaviors. And then you're going to be like, why? So if you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, yuck, hate what I see. You're creating an identity. Your behaviors are going to match that identity. So what exactly is happening neurochemically with every single thought? Okay. When we have a thought, we release chemicals into the bloodstream in the form of like neurotransmitters and hormones, and they bind to our cells and they tell the cell how to behave. This means that your behavior is coming from thought alone. So when you look in the mirror and you're like, "Ugh, yuck, that doesn't make you go to the gym. That doesn't make you stop overeating. That just actually makes you self-sabotage more because the identity is like, yuck, I'm disgusting. So When we rewire the subconscious, it looks like I have zero appetite today. We can actually feel that. I can't even muster up a craving even if I think about it, this is a client who did really well with hypnosis. And by the way, I think it was Dory that said, hypnosis didn't work for me. It doesn't work for everybody. And that's why that's not the only mechanism we use. Like when people are like, oh, we can hypnotize our way. Yes, hypnosis is an amazing tool, but it's not the only one. We have to work on many different mechanisms. This is a client of mine. I don't know if she's on this call, but she did amazing. She came to me. She was struggling with binge eating, emotional eating. She was a new mom. She was like a prisoner to her food, but more than anything, she was so insecure. Like this actually, sorry if you're on the call, babe, I love you. But I met this client and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I can help this person. Like she was so insecure after three months of working together, let alone six months. Like she is so confident. She's teaching Pilates. She's lost all this weight. Like these results are incredible. Like Jordana's program saved my life. She healed my relationship to food. I felt lost. I've tried all the diets, nothing worked. And that's because we're changing the brain here. We're not giving out meal plans. Okay. And when we do all these amazing things, when we rewire, we get confidence. Confidence is like one of the most valuable things you can ever get. Because if you are confident in yourself, you can do anything. And I want all that for you guys. Ending self-sabotage means increasing confidence. Like, but have you ever felt so good about yourself that like, treating yourself well was just easy. Have you ever been in a place in your life where it was just easy to treat yourself well? Because you like, yeah, I just feel good about myself. On to the next one. The second thing that we need to address is related to the symptom you might be feeling right now. Are you always hungry? What this looks like. Does this sound familiar? Looks like late night snacking. Who's it that just said late at night? Perrin. Yes. Late night snacking constantly getting up and going to the fridge. Like you work from home sometimes and you're like literally every couple of minutes are like getting up and going to the kitchen where the food lives, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. And then also, also thinking about your next meal. Like it's so common for some of my clients when they go to restaurants or like looking at the menu before and like planning everything out. It's like this, like desire that the brain always needs to be connected to food. I used to feel that all the time. So if you don't fix your hunger cues, you will be food obsessed right? The problem with this is that you're going to keep gaining the weight. You're going to keep struggling to reach your goals. You're going to be stuck in the binge and restrict cycle. You're going to feel like a prisoner to food and you're going to rationalize and self-sabotage your behavior. And the solution is to reset your hunger cues. When I was still struggling with my eating disorder, just my overeating disorder, really, I would look at all these intuitive eating coaches online and I would be like, intuitively, I want to eat a whole box of donuts. So like something's not happening up here, you know? And so when I talk about resetting your hunger cues, I need you to understand that this part can't come if your brain is still wired for self-sabotage. That's why we talk about that first. That's why we need to rewire the brain so you're not self-sabotaging anymore. So we can actually tune in to your true hunger cues. I have a baby. Like, I cannot feed that bitch if she's not hungry. We are born with this intuitive process. We come into this world knowing when we're hungry, when we're full. We unlearn that. But with people telling us, don't eat this, don't eat that. We go on our first diet. We realize like the brain tries to take control of how many calories we should eat in the day. We literally become disconnected from the intuitive process. That's why I don't tell any of my clients to intuitively eat. How can they intuitively eat when they're not intuitive yet? Right? We have to reset that process. And there's a very specific way that we do it, but literally this process can't happen unless we break free from self-sabotage first. So you'll continue to sabotage, but I'm sure you guys had a friend who just like eats when they're hungry and stops when they're full, but we basically unlearn this process as we grow up and we just need to return back to it because that is, yeah, exactly. That is your natural tendency. The brain wants to return back to that because overthinking about food takes up a lot of energy and the brain is a very efficient organ. So when we do this, this is what it looks like. This actually is from a recent client. She's like, something just feels so different. I can't put my finger on it. I'm not constantly thinking about when my next meal is. Like, it's just this part of it, this resetting your hunger cues should feel a little bit like magic. And everyone laughs when I say that until you go through it. And then you're like, oh my God, all of a sudden I just eat when I'm hungry and I stop when I'm full. And it, I can't even believe that. Another client, I know my favorite part is I think about food less and less each day. Oh, love that for you. Yeah, this is all subconscious programming, but like, most of the time we hear that we're just not thinking about food anymore over the past two days. I have not inflicted any guilt or shame for eating because when we eat, we're hungry and we're when we're full. It's actually very easy to not feel guilty, right? It feels so good not to think about food all the time. Yes. Love that. If you struggle with disordered eating, I feel confident that Jordana's program will change your life. Oh, Georgia. She's so sweet. Yeah. So Georgia was a huge skeptic when I met her. She was also a very tough client, but absolutely so rewarding. After six months, she basically lost 30 pounds. She completely changed her relationship to food. She no longer struggles. And it really is through food psychology that we're able to do this. Okay. And this is me. So I'm just going to tell you about my results because this one used to baffle my mind. So I remember being in a place where I was literally going from drive through to drive through, like never feeling satisfied, never feeling satiated. I would be like, oh, wait for that Tim Hortons donut or whatever. And I just know what it feels like to finish dinner and then to keep grabbing cookies or to go to Christmas dinner and then like be so overly full and then continue to eat on the way home, like, or come home and eat after an event. I remember what that feels like. And that's why I'm so passionate about teaching you guys this, because like I've personally been there and I know how shitty it is and it doesn't have to be this way. Like when you let go of your relationship to food and you create this detachment, you have so much more fucking time on your hands to actually enjoy the shit that you deserve. Yeah. So when we do this, we get food freedom, which is like what I want for all of you. When we can reset your hunger cues, you have food freedom. You eat when you're hungry. You stop when you're full. You can stop overthinking and obsessing about food. It just doesn't take up mental real estate anymore, right? You can go and you can put clothes on for the day and not worry about, are people looking at me? Are they not looking at me? All of your clothes fit. Like That's the beauty. We can stop obsessing about food. We can train the brain to seek what it truly needs and stop eating as a coping mechanism. Because if you are overeating, I can tell you right now, it's not because you're hungry. It's because the brain has developed a program where food becomes a mechanism to cope removing the stuff from your house is not going to work. I'm sure you guys know that from now. That's just ignorance, right? It's really just being able to teach your brain how to be moderate with those things. Like I'll never forget the moment I was like, oh my gosh, I've had this ice cream in my fridge for like two weeks and I totally forgot about it. And the last one, the last piece of the puzzle of finding food freedom is the body. We cannot ignore the body, okay? This isn't just like a, oh, free for all, we have food freedom, not at all. There is nothing wrong with wanting to be your healthiest version of you. There is nothing wrong with wanting to be lean and thin. We should all want that. We should all wanna find the truest, healthiest versions of ourselves. And like, as much as I am extremely body positive, I think that the body positive movement can actually be quite detrimental because if you are over 300 pounds, are you treating your body positively? Truly. Right. And so your physical body is your home and we want to be able to treat that well so you can live the best life that you can. And sometimes we have physiological barriers that prevent us from being able to lose weight. Like I see all the time, hypothyroidism. I had hypothyroidism. I see Hashimoto's. I see, you know, thyroid conditions, metabolism issues. A lot of people say it's like, oh, just my genetics, which we can debunk right now. But If you are doing everything right, you're eating right, you're exercising, you're not seeing the weight loss that you desire. Maybe it's because of like a diagnosed condition. And that's like, I also love to work on, but we can't ignore the body. We can't just work on the mind and then just forget about the body. We also need to rebalance the physiological body. So if there are thyroid conditions, if there's metabolism issues, if there are genetic codes that are turned on or off that are preventing you from being your best version of yourself, We need to actually get to the bottom of that so that you, your body can be a fat burning machine. Because I tell you right now, if your body is holding on to any amount of weight, it is not adaptive for the body. The body does not want to be overweight. It's actually dangerous for the body to hold on to weight. And I'm talking about excessive amounts. I'm not talking about the last five pounds. You know, it is not adaptive for the body to be overweight at all. So if it is holding on to weight, there are imbalances and we just need to rebalance them. So the problem here is that if you don't rebalance your body, your body is going to do everything it can in its power to hold on to weight. The mind is so important, right? Because the body follows the mind. Without the mind, the body is nothing. It starts in the mind. That's why we talk about that first. But once we have the mind balanced, there's so many things that we can do to optimize the body from like a metabolism perspective and really addressing the real root causes to your weight gain and your weight barriers. I see here, lipedema, like there's so many root causes for lipedema. Like usually is it a, hor- a hormonal imbalance, but then like, why are the hormones imbalanced? Right? Like that's my job. I love this shit. I love stubborn weight because like, once we get down to the root of it, it gets so easy to correct. So the solution here is it is my job to understand what the root cause of stubborn weight is not yours. I can't tell you how many Hundreds of thousands of dollars I've spent on education, how many years going back and forth, how many clients I've seen, right? Like you don't need to carry that weight. It's not your responsibility. It's not your job. It's mine right? I love it. It's one of my favorite things to work with because when we get to the root of the stubborn weight and we, re- we rebalance it using like functional medicine, usually supplements are involved, but there's also testing. Like we test the hormones, we test the food sensitivities, right? Um, there are a few barriers or root causes to stubborn weight. And so what that looks like is digestion, a huge one. Okay. So if you have any digestive issues, loose stool, constipation, gas, bloating, it's going to be hard to lose weight because that's where a food comes through first. Hormonal imbalances, again, really common, not a root cause though. You want to get down to why are the hormones imbalanced? Chronic stress, that's a big root cause. Pathogens, parasites, candida. IBS is not a root cause, Dory, but yes. So like what's causing the IBS, right? Is it stress? Is there a pathogen, which it usually is with IBS? So you have to get down to the actual root cause or else weight loss is going to be difficult. And you can like mindset your way out of all of your disorders. But if we don't rebalance the body, it's going to feel really defeating, right? Because you're going to step on the scale and you're not going to see what is optimal for you in the clinic. We like basically monitor this over six months. So like I said, like, this is not a quick fix type of thing. Like this is not a lose 20 pounds in 20 days type of situation. When you're getting down to the root cause, we need at least six months to really see stuff start to balance. But the good news is you do it and it's forever. Also, when you do this, you can eat what you want and you burn it off. If you are not overeating, you will never be overweight. Yes. If there are imbalances, hormonal, whatever, like that stuff can exasperate the issue, but it starts in the mind first. Body does not manifest anything without the mind, right? This client's on this call, but she's amazing eating whatever I want. Simultaneously lost almost 50 pounds. It might even be more now, right? And it happened over months and months. Like this isn't a process like ooh, boom. And then there you go. We regulate everything. And then it lasts forever. This is now it's been two years since I've worked with this client and she still has all the weight off. And that to me is priceless. Yeah. So she basically went from a size 16 to a size six, which like I am just like my love of my life. And when we do these things, when we rebalance the body, weight loss is effortless. It's not drastic. It's not 20 pounds in 20 days, but it is sustainable and it is forever. When I was stuck in dieting, I would literally smell a cookie and gain weight. Like it was ridiculous because I went on low carb diets for so long, whatever. Right. But when you rebalance the body, you can stop telling yourself the story that your body holds on to weight so much. How many people are like, oh, my metabolism is just so slow. It's my genetics. Losing weight is difficult. When you rebalance, you can stop telling yourself this story because your body is going to do what it's designed to do, which is to turn that food into energy and not store it. You know? But if you're holding on to any weight in the body and you're not overeating, we'll deal with the overeating stuff from a mindset perspective. There are imbalances and they can't be ignored. Like I promised, I know how hard it can be (laughs) sat in the same seat as you. I spent $50,000 on a coach from the States, US, who really didn't help me, which taught me a lot, but I spent thousands and thousands of dollars, modalities, gyms, fat burners, and practitioners to the point where I felt that there was something wrong with me. And I was using things like my chronic pain. I was using things like my adrenal fatigue as excuses. You can do this on your own. Absolutely. The information is out there, you know, but it is kind of like pushing a boulder up the hill. It's like, Ugh! without getting to the root cause, you're going to keep the weight on and it's going to take forever. Right. I've dedicated my entire career to this. I've done this for almost 10 years on this topic alone. Like before this, I was a sports nutritionist, et cetera. This isn't really something you can like learn in a manual, you know? And when you do it from the help of an expert, you don't have to do it alone. And I think that that's really important because I don't think anyone should have to go through this alone. Okay, so enter the mindful method. This is my group coaching program. It's my baby. I have a few of you guys on here. I'm obsessed with it. I love all of you so much. And we have a lot of fun. So basically, the first week is really all about um, testing and kind of getting to know the process. So we do the Dutch test, the Dutch hormone test. We do a food sensitivity test and you get all the tools that you need to be successful. The second week is about setting up your routine. So this is reset, rewire, rebalance. This is about really setting up your day so that you can be successful. And it's not like do a morning meditation, anything like that. It's like, where can we optimize your day so that you can actually reset and rewire in a way that's going to work for you. The third week is on confidence and self-esteem. We got to change the mind before anything else can happen. This is about building self-love, confidence, and empowerment, because if you truly loved yourself, you wouldn't sabotage. The second week, or the fourth week is healing your relationship to food. So all of my years in behavioral psychology really are condensed into that week's module. This is really about understanding the functions of your behavior. So operant conditioning, classical conditioning, understanding cravings, learning how to disassociate from them. All the while, by the way, guys, we're using hypnosis the entire time. We're using NLP. We're using like all the different techniques. Week five is about ending self-sabotage. So this is where we actually reprogram the subconscious patterns that are holding you back. Week six is my my mechanism. Think your way thin. This is really about the law of attraction and manifesting weight loss because the only difference between you and somebody who has never had an issue with their weight is the way that they think that's it. There is no gene that says somebody's going to be overweight. It's literally the way that you think. And so if we can change that, we can change your reality. The seventh week is about healing triggers, improving self-worth, working on people-pleasing, which is a huge common tendency for people who struggle with overeating. Week eight, we get into actually the body work. So you can see the first like six weeks, we only focus on the mind. The second part of it, the second part of the 12 weeks program, we focus on the body. So this is where we're optimizing digestion, We are working on the body mind connection. So understanding like food and mood, we are resetting metabolism. So we are boosting metabolism. We're learning about fat burning. It's very, very easy to do once you do it correctly. And then week 11 is we talk about stubborn weight. So this is like, are there pathogens? Are there hormonal imbalances? We have to get to the bottom of that kind of stuff. And week 12 is finding the new you. But the thing is, I've really talked about this so many times in this call. In six weeks, usually I can heal your relationship to food. In six weeks, like you can change the way you think about yourself and you can change the way you relate to food. In 12 weeks, are we going to like rebalance all of your hormonal imbalances and everything in 12 weeks that took you 30 years to get? No, absolutely not. Right. So the program is actually not 12 weeks. There's 12 weeks of content, but the program is six months because from my experience, it's going to take about six months for me to actually help you to see the results on the scale that you want to see, which is kind of why we're here. Right. And the beauty about it is that, like, I'm monitoring you the entire time. There's tons of bonuses. So, for six months, every single week, and now it'll be twice a week, we do a live coaching call. So, there's a lot of value in that. I always bring in experts, like training experts. So, experts in the field, we do calls with them. Um, there's testing included. So, the Dutch hormone test, et cetera, hypnosis, of course, and not just hypnosis for weight loss, but hypnosis for everything, anxiety, depression, confidence, because these are the root causes. The food is not the issue, the food is the coping mechanism. The issue is how you feel about yourself and the way your brain is wired. You get like access to my pharmaceutical grade supplements. There's other bonuses, things like shopping lists, checklists, like that stuff is just gravy. Like we don't, you can use that if you find that valuable, but at the end of the day, it's not a recipe guide that you guys need or you wouldn't be here. Every single week, there's a PDF that's attached. So one thing I love about the program is when you finish, you have like an entire book, right? So if you're triggered in the future, you can go back and read like, what did we do here at this week at this time? And uh, there's confidence challenges. There's affirmations to increase self-love. There's my microdosing course. That's a topic for another day, but there's just, there's community building. There's also 24 hour access to the community and myself. So there's even in between the calls, there's never a day where you can't be like, I need help. You know, I can't stop snacking. I ate before bed. What do I do? That's when you need help. Not when we talk the next week. That's what makes us very different from therapy, but yeah. So there's 24 hour access. Perfect. So Karen, what about testing for Australia? Do we have clients in Australia right now? We send testing all over the world. So it, that's really not an issue. Most of our testing is blood test. The Dutch test is urine test, but we work with companies that like it can come from far places because we have clients everywhere. Like I have a client in Berlin, Spain, everywhere. Katarina working 12 hour shifts. I go, don't get time to eat properly. Mm, yeah, I know. This is a really tough one. So is it that you kind of like restricting all day because you don't have time to eat? And then like when you have access to food, it's like over consumption. Is that the problem? Yeah, yeah, that's really common. Totally. So here's the thing. If you didn't have access to water all week and you only had access to water for one hour in the week, how much water do you think you drink? All of it, <laughs> you know? And so part of the problem here is that, yeah, yeah no, no, no. I know. I'm just, I'm using a metaphor. Like if you didn't have access to water all week and you only had access for water to one hour in the week, you would drink way more than you need in that one hour. So what's happening here is not only does like, are there time constraints for eating properly, but like your brain knows that it needs food. And so it's like, when you have access to that food, you're overconsuming. But the thing is like, and I'm, this isn't like some days I go all day without eating accidentally, never purposely, And so, but I don't really think about food and then I don't overconsume when I have it. The reality is, is like, it would take 90 days for the average person to die of starvation, 90. We have a lot of stores on us. And so when we don't have access to food, it's a really good opportunity for you to tell your body, oh my gosh, amazing, go and use stored energy. I'm sure you have some, you know? The other thing is, and like, I'm not asking you to quit your job, but like, is it really sustainable for you to be working in an environment where you can't even eat a meal? And I'm not talking about like, We need to have a two hour lunch situation, but there are many ways that we can like go and have snacks. I worked in hospitals, I worked in like healthcare. Like, this is somewhat of an excuse because there are ways that we can work around that. But the issue is actually not that you don't have access to food all day. The issue is that your brain perceives food as something that it needs to overconsume on. So we have to work on that so that when you have access to food, you're not overconsuming. Yeah, you work in a hospital. I know. I have so many nurses. I can't even tell you. I already knew that. Yes, perfect. Do we need to attend your clinic and are there tests including class? So the Mindful Clinic is a global clinic. So you do not need to come in person. We, We cover one test and the other test, if you want the other one, then it's just, you pay for the test. We don't make you pay anything other than the cost of the test from the lab. How do I stop late night eating? Yeah, this one is a complex one. And so this is a habit, you know? And if you find that all day long, you're not really enjoying your time. You're not really in the prime of your life. And then, or maybe you have a very stressful situation. Maybe you're in school or you work or have kids or whatever it is. When you finally get that time to stop, your brain is going to seek, want to seek comfort. But this is actually just a habit. And so we use a lot of mechanisms to train your brain out of this. Behavioral activation is one of them. Hypnosis is another one. We also do like very specific exercises for people on the call You know exactly what I'm talking about that just trains your brain out of that. But at the end of the day, this is a habit. And so as just as you got into it, you can get out of it how to deal with family and holidays. Ooh, this is a good question. There is always going to be a holiday. Everybody's like, oh, after Christmas, after my birthday, when you actually rewire the brain, these things don't disrupt the pattern. The thing is, is like, if you're in the binge and restrict cycle, or if you're in the like dieting mindset, when we have access to holidays, it feels like overconsumption because you finally have access to this food that you typically don't have. But in reality, when we train the brain to think differently about food, we know we have access to that food at all times. So like it used to be that, you know, at Christmas, I would like starve myself because I have a family that is obsessed with appearances. So I'd starve myself all month of December. And then for Christmas, I would wear like the tightest dress. And then by the end of the night, I would like need to cut myself out of it. And so... But now that like, I have this like food freedom on holidays, I just eat when I'm hungry and I stop when I'm full. And there's no part of me that's like, I can't have this tomorrow. Like I'll take a piece of cake home tomorrow. And I often forget about it, but that doesn't come from like just telling yourself, no, like you have to actually change the way that the brain sees food because the reality is like you have access to that food all the time. Like people are like, oh, this is a festive meal. If you really like the cheese platter, you could get that right now. One press of your finger, you could have any food that you want. It's not Christmas, that's the problem, you know? And family is a tough one. I suggest just cutting them off altogether. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but is a really tough one because they can be triggering. And if you're here listening to this call, your parents and like your upbringing is likely the reason why you struggle, right? And so- when you build up your own empowerment and self-efficacy, they become less triggering. It's not completely gone. It's still hard for me to spend like days at a time with my mom. I love her and she means well, but like, you know, at, at the end of the day, sometimes it's hard for her to change. Right. And we can't expect that. And so it becomes less about them and more about you building up your own power so that they don't affect you. Like if somebody came up to you and they were like, like if your mom came up to you and she was like, you're blue, you'd be like, that doesn't mean anything to me. But if she's like, oh, honey, like, did you gain some weight or something like, like you're like, oh my God, that hits home. Right. The problem is not your mom. The problem is that you believe what she's saying. And so if we can change the way that you think about yourself, other people become less triggering. What time are the coaching calls generally? Great question. So they're usually at lunchtime, Eastern standard time between 12 and one Eastern standard time, but they are always recorded. And so there are lots of people that can't attend the calls, but you basically, ask your like input your questions. And I always answer them on the calls. What if you live in Vancouver and work Monday to Friday at nine to five? When can you schedule meetings? Yeah. So this is why we do them at lunchtime. Vancouver's three hours behind us. So it won't be your lunchtime. but this is why this is like better in my opinion than the private coaching, because like every week, a module is going to drop. So it doesn't matter if you do it in the morning at night, like you can do the content. It's just the calls that like you might have to record or like you know, do it on a lunchtime or anything like that. But I'm always going to answer your questions and they're always recorded. There's lots of people that don't come to the calls that are very successful. And the calls are also like one of my favorite things. I've always been told if I starve myself, my body will store more fat. Yeah, like we should never be starving ourselves ever. The metabolism is going to slow down if we have that mechanism. The problem here, though, is that if you have the desire to eat and it's true hunger and you tell that part of, you no, you're going to go into store mode. Because the brain doesn't know the difference between financial stress, emotional stress, or like, I don't have access to food when I'm hungry stress. It just knows cortisol. I'm running from a bear, right? So like when you restrict, when you're actually hungry, you create a a really big problem. Your metabolism slows down. But if you are actually in tune with your true hunger, when you eat, when you're hungry and you stop when you're full, some days you're going to be more hungry than others. Some days I'm not hungry at all. And other days I'm hungrier or I have a bigger desire to eat, but you will never be able to tap into that if we view it as a restriction or starving, right? Because then there, you don't have a good relationship with your body. Your body's like, I need to eat. And you're like, no, well, yeah, of course it's going to go into store mode. Um, I eat at my desk five to 10 minutes, then back to work. I hear you. Me too, man. Like that's my situation. And I don't really think anything of it. Like I know my body has more than enough stores. I usually have one good meal a day, like with my family. Um, But when things are busy, like, as you can tell, I'm really passionate about my job. So when things are busy, like so I get five minutes in between calls, and I don't. I don't even think about it anymore. Intermittent fasting, in my opinion, is a diet. I don't think there's anything wrong with push, pushing back your hunger, your first desire to eat, because more often than not, we're responding to craving, and craving is really just your brain saying, "I feel dysregulated." Right? Every time you have the desire to eat, you respond by eating, craving eat, craving eat, craving eat. You build a strong association. At that point, it's really hard to tell the difference between true hunger and craving. If it's true hunger. You usually haven't had a meal in a while, right? And you would eat anything. It's not just like, oh, I want something salty. I want something sweet. It's like, you would literally eat anything. That's true hunger, right? And so I don't think there's anything wrong with pushing back your first meal. I think that longer fasting periods are, of course, better for the body. We can't ignore the science, right? But if you're like every day at 12 p.m., that's when I break my fast. Like that's a fucking diet. What if you're hungry at 10? You're just telling your body no, then the body's going to go into store mode. Like you're sabotaging yourself there right? The whole purpose is to get in touch with the body, not to disassociate farther. And any type of rule that's coming from an outside perspective is not going to get you there at all. My biggest problem is binge eating. When I get my cycle, yes, it used to be one day cravings increased to two. And now it can be like a whole week. Oh, I've been there. Uh, but there's a lot of changes. Like there are, yeah, of course, no patients. Yeah. So babe, you have a hormonal imbalance. Like this is what I'm talking about. We can, yes, we can work on the mind, but like, we also have to rebalance the physiological body because hormones can make you feel like you're crazy. So yeah, in that case, you need to balance your hormones. History of binge attacks. Don't have a big appetite. How do I change that? And what do I do? What do I eat? So obviously if you don't have a big appetite, but then you end up binge eating, like this is coming from an emotional place. And sometimes it's coming from repression, you know, sometimes it's coming from some like a memory and experience that you've repressed. And I have to get down to the bottom of that. And we have to help the brain like compute and work through it. Um, But the binge attack isn't coming from nothing. Like you have to understand that your behavior comes from the mind first, the body follows the mind. So something's happening in there. That's triggering the response of the binge eating. We have to figure out what that is. How do you balance your hormones? So this ain't my first rodeo, honestly, for the most part from symptom alone, I can pretty much know which hormones are imbalanced, but it's taken me a long time to get there. But I'm kind of at the point in my life now where I'm like, let's not guess, let's just test. Right. So if you feel like you have a hormonal imbalance, we're using the Dutch test. We're testing to see where your hormones are actually at so that I can help to support that and rebalance them. So it would really start from knowing which hormones are out of balance. And it's interesting because some hormones when they're really, really low or deficient and really, really high have the exact same symptoms. So we can't just go like, Oh, we all have an estrogen dominance, right? It's like actually estrogen dominance and deficiency of estrogen have the exact same symptoms, both weight gain. So if we assume it's an estrogen dominance and I try and give you like something to detox estrogen, like dim, like you actually might exasperate the issue. That's why we should just test. To what extent do you focus on whole eating and quality of food versus just the f- approach to food mentality and physically? The thing is, you know what is healthy and what's not. My favorite thing ever with my clients, and I there's one right now who's going through this and it's just magical, but like, I never have to tell you to eat healthy because you know what you want and you know how to eat healthy. My job and like, through this program, my job is to teach you how to love yourself. So you naturally choose the salad. I'm just going to give you an example. So this like makes more sense. But basically this one client of mine, every Thursday goes to track meet with her son at the track meet. She looks forward to it every week because they have the pizza and the hot dog stand. And she, when she joined the program, she was like, I'm never not going to have the pizza or the hot dog. And I'm like, fine, I have the pizza and the hot dog. I'm like, I don't care. And so this week though, she sends me a picture of a salad and she's like, I packed a salad. And I was like, to the track meet. And she was like, yeah, I, this is what I want. That's what I'm talking about. You know, whole foods are better for you. But if I told her you have to pack a salad to the track meat, it never would have worked. It has to come from you. And that's, what's going to allow you to have the flexibility. Like we Uber eats dinner today. I don't eat only whole food at all. Right. For the most part, I do actually just want things that are better for my body. That's just like, and you're going to get there too, because You're going to want to treat yourself well when you learn to love yourself. When we reset those hunger cues and become more intuitive, I don't want to use that word, but like connected to your body, your body's going to be like, yes, I do want the salad. I want something fresh. I want this. And it's just about getting your brain to trust that process. So it comes from you because if I tell you what to do, it's never going to work. How do you know if you should continue buying supplements, kale support, lymphatic performance? Oh, yeah, this is a path client of mine. Obviously, you should reach out to me privately, but always if the supplements are working, then once you reach your goal, we want to stop them. Like we should never, some supplements we will need to take because like our soil is garbage, like vitamin C and magnesium for women. But like, we should never be on like a detox program for our entire lives. Like that's ridiculous. Right. So if once you reach your goal, you can come off of those supplements and then just obviously general health stuff. I hear people say that they binge when sad or stressed, but I often binge when I'm happy. Oh, this is a good question! I just, I love this. Okay. Hard to figure out the trigger. Yeah, totally. All right. So this is self-sabotage. So there's actually a book. It's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. I would read that book if you have time. But anyways, when things, if your brain is safer in a state of chaos. So if you have lived the majority of your life, not liking yourself, if you live the majority of your life, criticizing yourself, judging yourself, whatever it is. That's what your brain, that's what's familiar in your brain. So when you're really happy, the brain's like, this is like, can't compute. This is dangerous. We need to self-sabotage. We need to get you back to your set point. This is a set point theory, right? This means you've hit your upper limit. When we like are about to succeed, it's like we manifest sickness. Just like I woke up with swollen lymph nodes this morning and 500 people signed up for my webinar. It's like, this is so classic. This is self-sabotage. Right. And so that's why it's important to actually work with the brain. Cause I was like that too. Like people are like, I'm so stressed. I need to eat. I was like, I'm perfectly fine. I just wake up and some days I'm like, I'm going to eat all day. And I don't know why, or I used to be like that, but yeah, when you're happy and then you binge eat clear self-sabotage. Love that. Good for three weeks, then off the rails. Yes. Okay. So the problem here is you're good for three weeks and then you go off the rails. So there's too much restriction. When you think you're good, you're actually restricting. When we train the brain that like to be moderate with certain foods, like your days, aren't going to look like salad, 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 Harvey's. (laughs) Your days are going to look like shawarma, salad, apple, chocolate. Like it's, it's going to be all over the place so that there is fluidity and like That's what we're doing here. Like this isn't just like a program where it's like, oh, like let's lose 20 pounds and call it a day. This is like, how do you want to live the rest of your life? And if you don't want to live the rest of your life being good on the weekend, on the weekdays, then like that's not how we should be setting up your day. We should be setting up your day for how you want to live the rest of your life. And that's not going to happen if you villainize certain foods. Also chocolate. Yeah. So chocolate can be many things like chocolate can be a magnesium deficiency. So like, that's why we need to work with the body too. Right. But it's like teaching the brain to be moderate with these foods. Can you explain dopamine levels after addiction? Yes, 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 yes. This is my niche. As you know, obviously I was an addict or a person with addiction. So here's how dopamine works. Dopamine is the molecule of more. What does that mean, Jordana? So we have dopamine and serotonin. Serotonin is like satiation. When we are satiated, we are not moving. We are satiated. We're happy just as we are. Dopamine is the opposite of serotonin. So dopamine is the molecule of more. So when we release dopamine, especially if it's a lot of dopamine from a substance, we want to engage in more of that behavior. So like, for example, when you take a bite of chocolate, you're not like, "Mm, I'm good. I feel great. You're like, and another bite and another bite. And another, right. That's dopamine, right? Dopamine is the thing that makes you want to engage in more of that behavior. Dopamine is movement and motivation. Okay. So when we have addiction, especially if the addiction started before the age of 25, the dopamine feedback loops and the dopaminergic pathways are dysregulated. And I remember sitting in a hall full of doctors. This would be about like 15 years ago now. And I was the only nutritionist in this like entire podium, the person, the doctor who was presenting was Dr. Nicole Vina. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she did the whole study on how sugar is more addictive than cocaine for rats. So she's like, I'm a huge fan girl of her. She's sitting at the podium and she's like talking about her study. And I raised my hand and I'm like, okay, because from what she's saying is when the dopaminergic pathways are dysregulated so early on, we just go from one addiction to the next. So you see addicts. And this is one of the reasons why I got into this, because obviously when I stopped using my substances, I started using food again. And I remember being in rehab with one of my friends. It was for her, not me. She was an alcoholic. And they would just say, you know, when you get a craving, just put a sweet in your mouth. When you train the brain to release so much dopamine, you're going to release a ton of dopamine and then you're going to want more. Right. And so when dopamine is released, we feel a moment of pleasure and simultaneously we feel craving. And that's what makes us wanting to engage in more of that behavior. So when the brain is wired for dopamine seeking, and especially if you've been an addict, when you get rid of that substance, the desire for, like dopamine releasing things doesn't just go away. You have to recompute. You have to rewire the brain, right? And that's exactly what we do. But anyways, I'm in this podium with a whole bunch of doctors and I raise my hand and I'm like, can we ever just not be addicted? And she, like Dr. Nicole Vina was like, no, like you just go from one addiction to the next. And I was like, I won't accept that. And I can honestly tell you right now in my life, I have been addicted to alcohol, cocaine, cigarettes, marijuana, poppers, like just shit that you don't want your kids doing, Okay. So addicted to cocaine that like I have a bone sticking out of my nose, like in and out of rehab. Like this isn't a joke. And thank fucking God I was addicted to cocaine. It wasn't just like a party thing because I had to pull myself out of the gutter and I wouldn't be here if I didn't. The thing is, is like after all of those substances, I can moderate, I can drink at Christmas. I drink at my birthday party. I'm no longer an alcoholic. I'm not saying that's for everybody. But what I am saying is when you rewire and you change the brain, you can be moderate with anything. It doesn't mean that we go and do heroin. Of course, some things are so addictive. They like hijack the whole system. But when you actually train your brain to be moderate with certain foods, everything else is easy because the brain is always going to prefer something related to survival and food is related to survival. We don't need cocaine. We don't need alcohol. We can survive without it. We can't survive without food. That's my Food addiction is my favorite thing to work with because you can't just be absent from it. So you have to teach the brain to be moderate. And that's what we do. Hopefully that made sense. When does the program officially start? Mindful method, you can really start any time. We will close the doors on Monday for like the bonuses and stuff, but yeah, the mindful, like private coaching has a six month wait list. So that's the only thing that you'd have to really wait for, but mindful method, you could start, you could start tomorrow. Caffeine. So nothing wrong with a cup of coffee a day. If hormones are very imbalanced, I would just suggest having your cup of coffee with food. That way we don't further exasperate the hormonal imbalance and we don't keep running on cortisol. But if you're drinking more than like two cups of coffee a day, like we got a problem because the thing is with caffeine, like coffee, caffeine doesn't give you any more energy. It just blocks the signal and the neuronal networks that tells you you're tired, right? So we're like synthetically blocking that tired signal. So you're actually a lot more tired than you perceive to be. And you won't be optimal, right? Like you'll kind of be in this brain foggy days all day. And that also is like another sign of hormonal balance. So we want to avoid that ideally. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with a cup of coffee a day. What about postmenopausal benefit? Any different? Karen, are you talking about coffee? Or are you talking about in general? The funny thing is, a lot of my clients are postmenopausal. The oldest client I've ever worked with, she's in her 80s now. And yeah, like the thing with postmenopausal hormones is that, especially if you go into menopause where your hormones are imbalanced, it does take a little bit longer, but it's all achievable, right? Like for my client that is in her 80s now, when we met, she was 72. It took a whole year for her to lose the weight that she wanted to lose. That really stresses some people out because when they're doing all the work and they're waking up every day and they're having the positive attitude and they're changing their relationship to food and the scale's not budging that, like the scale's being stubborn, it takes a little bit more patience when you are postmenopausal, if the hormones are imbalanced, to trust the process and know that the weight will come off. But a year later, and like she's lost, I mean, it's been more than that now. She still kept the weight off, of course, but she's like, she lost all the weight in a year, right? So instead of, I would just say like widen your time frame for when you're going to lose the weight. Because like I said, when you're not cutting calories and you're not like crazy exercising, it is slower and steady, but you want it to be that way. Cause you want it to be sustainable. This is what allows you to have the piece of chocolate, the burger, that kind of thing. Okay. Thank you so, so much for coming. You have no idea how much I love doing this. I hope that I inspired you to think that there is a different way. I wish you all the best of luck and we'll talk soon, okay? Bye.